Welcome to the resources for Integrated Care webinar, Palliative Care for Older Adults Duly Eligible for Medicare and Medicaid. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on December 5th, 2018. In this podcast, you will hear from Karen Blair, a Palliative Care Coordinator for the Commonwealth Care Alliance. She will give an overview about the stages of palliative care, as well as will discuss a specific case of palliative care. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm going to talk a bit about the concept of stages of palliative care and then talk in a real practical way about uh, a particular case study. Um, Next slide. Most of us are aware that not everyone adjusts to serious illness, whether it's long-term chronic or short-term acute or some combination of those, in a linear fashion, moving from one stage of grieving to the next. However, most people do experience some degree of denial and putting off thinking about what they might be facing until they're forced to address it. Early in the illness, one might be thinking about what it means for the future, the hopes and dreams, the relationships. There could be acceptance of some support, but it's a delicate time when we need to be careful about our approach, possibly extending conversation of goals of care over months if we begin early enough. The goals one has at this stage might not be the same as later on in the illness. As the limitations and discomforts become more pronounced and there may be fewer options available for disease treatment, goals evolve and the support offered can increase, as you see in the slide. In the face of nearing mortality, one might be considering how their family or caregivers will manage and will be making firmer plans. Our role as an interdisciplinary palliative care team is to offer the skilled supports when they are the most appropriate. Next slide. Mr. M was an 81-year-old man with multiple chronic conditions, but his main concerns were his chronic pain, some decline in function, and some breathing difficulties. At CCA, palliative referrals can be made by care partners, facilities, physicians, and others. In this case, the care partner referred him while he was still hospitalized so that he could be introduced to the idea of palliative support once he arrived home. He had multiple specialists involved with his care team, leading sometimes to conflicting orders, too much activity and too many people, according to him, to keep track of, none of which made him feel any better. Next slide. When Mr. M was discharged from the hospital, he was seen in a dark apartment struggling to get out of bed to the living room because of pain, weakness, and shortness of breath. Even still, he was noncommittal about his health care goals. We frequently will offer to work with members on action plan to keep them out of the hospital, and he wasn't quite ready for that either. He was receptive to personal care assistance and counseling support in the face of this progressing illness. Over those first few months, he agreed to physical and occupational therapy to assist him in keeping safe at home and strengthening, which he did continue once he was able to move to a first floor accessible apartment to assure he had the right equipment. Next slide. As the months progressed, he developed some startling findings, including a very low heart rate and blood pressure, 
as well as ongoing decline in his ability to do his personal care and get around. He was offered an oximeter for home use to assist in monitoring. His intermittent physical therapy and counseling continued, along with substantial support with personal care. He finally accepted increased nursing and medical support from the physician's assistant and palliative physician with efforts at deprescribing and assuring appropriate comfort meds were present in the home to address his symptoms and avoid the ER. He had someone to call 24-7 with questions and for support as part of his action plan, which was written and posted in the home. He finally agreed to get his wishes for avoidance of life support recorded on the most form, but his wife still did not want him to die at home. Next slide. Finally, he developed signs of a stroke and his wife brought him to the emergency room only to be told there was nothing that could be done for him. That was a defining moment for her and she brought him home with a firm commitment to allow him to stay there through his final days or months. During those last months, he recovered a bit from the stroke but developed other physical difficulties which increased as the time went along. Many of these are common to people reaching end of life, pain, incontinence, difficulty breathing, and delirium. The palliative team stepped up present so that almost every day of the week someone was there checking in and assuring that these symptoms were managed. Mr. M had refused spiritual support all along, but the medical assistant and other team members kept in mind his spiritual needs and allowed him to share what he would about any existential concerns and sources of strength. Physical therapy continued periodic support as he became more disabled to assure he had what he needed to move about safely and comfortably, especially since his wife was unable to move him independently. His PCA hours were increased and family rallied during his last days and were present often in an effective way. They were offered lots of instruction and support, including what to expect in the dying process and funeral planning. After his death, one year after initiation of palliative services, his wife, also a CCA member, received bereavement support. Dying is a natural process and our role is to assist in achieving the highest level of comfort possible, but the focus toward the end of life shifts to family and caregivers and assuring they have all the information and support they need during the most difficult time of their lives. Next slide. There are many barriers that prevent older adults, especially dually eligible, who have the added burden of limited financial and other resources to accessing and fully embracing palliative care. Mr. M had applied for housing long before we were involved and was able to move to a bright, accessible apartment for most of his final illness. In Mr. M's situation, there was no negative history regarding hospice and palliative care as there sometimes is. He was fluent in English, but his wife was only able to communicate in Spanish, so we tried to assure that someone who was fluent was present at nearly every visit. They were isolated from family and formal sources of spiritual support by choice. We were trying to address goals of care and life-threatening illness with someone who was in pain and distress. 
most of the time, and he had pre-existing anxiety and depression. As we discussed, he and his wife had differing views on their approach to illness. In this situation, though not all, we were able to assist in resolving some of these issues. Next slide. One thing that I hope comes through clearly in our case is that the team spent time developing a relationship with the member and his wife over the course of many months, taking advantage of opportunities to discuss his goals and teachable moments as they arose in normal conversation. We tried to assure he and his wife were understood in a cultural context and improved their comfort by having individuals who are culturally competent and were able to speak their language most of the time. All instructions were written in Spanish with pictures when possible. I know I have a hard time reading and understanding when I'm stressed, as well as demonstrations and return demonstrations. Their new apartment was very conducive to conversation, but we were sure to switch off the TV or lower it and put the focus of attention squarely on Mr. M. There are not always people in someone's life with whom they can have a difficult conversation without false reassurance, taking over the conversation and directing it to their own needs. The palliative team was able to be present, sit with them, not stand over them, at eye level and allow Mr. M and his wife to express themselves fully, even difficult topics. The palliative team does not run away from the emotion and allows for the process to unfold. Members are allowed to talk about how much they want to know or what they are concerned about, and these guidelines may change from one visit to the next. Next slide. Palliative care with its focus on interdisciplinary management of comfort and goals of care is appropriate at any stage of serious illness and may enhance comfort and adjustment as end of life nears. It is critical to meet the individual and family where they are, mindful of their histories, culture, and barriers to achieving the best quality of life possible. Exploring goals of care and advanced directives is integral to the process of care planning and assessing which supports are most of value to them. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare and Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes a full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated and coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about the current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.